welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today we're going to talk about sports betting and gambling tech in Africa. We'll share some context about betting in developed and emerging markets. We'll analyze betting tech startups across Africa and end with our overall outlook. This episode was recorded on June 13, 2021. Banco Gambino, what up? Banco Gambino, okay, that's good, that's good. I don't like that one as much. It's not as good as the other ones, but it's good enough. Honestly, I'm I, have good, no, I have no idea what it means. I'm great. Summer is in full swing. Life is good. Planning mm-hmm. trips, taking flights. Nice. I'm happy. I'm happy. You said you're, you're going to Nigeria soon? Yeah, I'm in, Nigeria. I'm in Nigeria for a bit, you know. I don't know if you know this, I'm Nigerian. It's, yes, uh, I figured. Yeah. Info at Afrobility.com, email Banfoli if you want to <laughs> hang out. Don't email me, yeah. I'm going to be in Miami. <laughs> okay, okay, so what, what are we talking about today? We're talking about betting, gambling, staking, mm-hmm. sports betting, casino right. games. I feel like this is one of the, the, the industries that is growing a lot, spending a lot of money, and but almost under the radar, at least for, for myself on Illumide, so we thought we'd do an episode on it. I'll use the terms um, gambling and betting interchangeably. I think there are many different types of gambling and betting. For this episode, we primarily talk about sports betting because I think that's the biggest, most prevalent um, one in Africa. Um, okay, so biases as usual. Always like to see my biases up front. I feel like this is becoming a recurring theme now. I like it. So I'm very much against gambling and betting. So I'm going to be quite negative, but but I'll try to balance out with some positives because after doing this research, I did find there were some potential positives. So I'll probably be more negative than normally in the podcast, but I'll, I'll try to balance it. We'll see. We'll see if I'm successful. I'm not as negatively biased against um, okay. against betting. I think there's uh, room for personal. Like there are many people who bet and don't. Um, I don't know. Get addicted to it or whatnot. I'm more interested Oops. in the fact that like what's happening with betting is almost inevitable, given where we are and given all the different things that are happening and the bigger macro trends. And we'll talk about right. that a lot through the entire okay. entire episode. Some statistics about betting and gambling. So the global sports betting market is potentially valued around $85 billion, 85 with a B, so quite large. And this is likely to grow even more as more governments make it legal over time. So again, this is sports betting, not the overall um, gambling market. So it's a proportion of the overall total. Africa is only 1% of yes. the entire global gaming revenue. South Africa, is, South Africa is half of that. Right. Right. Uh, and Nigeria is seven percent of that. So it's almost one of those things that is you think it's big now with a few years. Right. Right. Because it's starting to get incredible penetration in Africa right now. Like this is this is the early this is the early, early days um, for gaming, gambling, betting, sports betting in Africa. So Africa is one percent of the total. And then out of the one percent, South Africa is half of that. So South Africa is zero point five percent of the global amount. Fascinating. the global amount of okay. but this includes like gaming casino sports and all right, but right, even right, that right. is even that is significant right right okay so so uh, for the audience the way to think about it is there's a macro umbrella which is gambling and then within gambling under that is betting sports betting specifically is what we're talking about so there's a macro one and there's a sub one um some other statistics on popularity within african countries so if we look at some of the bigger african countries um, some of the more tech forward ones uh, betting companies are ranked pretty highly in terms of most vid- visited sites in terms of traffic analysis. So in Nigeria, Bet Nigeria is third or fourth 
most visited website, 1xbet is 26th in Kenya. Uh, BetSeek has the 35th most visited site. BetNiger has the 40th most visited site. In South Africa, Betway is the 32nd most visited site, and on and on and on. All, all these stats are from Alexa, the traffic analysis uh, company. There's some directional information that shows some of these sites are quite popular, and they've been quite popular for years. So it's not a one-off. I did some back searching, even in 2017. There were also some of the most visited websites in Africa. So. It's a thing. We also talk about the cost, right? There's addiction. There's a new generation of young people. Oh, yes. There's what, what I've read called the gamblification of watching football. People gamblification. Say I like yeah. that. It's a good word. It's basically, I didn't, and I did not know this, who people who say they, they don't enjoy sports until they, if they are not taking any money on it. Right? So, so you do first throwing, number of throwings, number of corners, yeah. first corner, first shot on target. What you said actually reminded me. I, have, I had a friend and... He was like, oh, how come you don't drink alcohol? I'm like, oh, I just, I just don't drink. He was like, oh, he can't enjoy clubbing without drinking. I was like, oh, wow. So that, what you said now just made me rewind to that. Because I watch soccer all the time without gambling. It's hard for me to understand how someone wouldn't enjoy it. But I think it's just a matter of you get used to it. So it makes yeah. sense. They anticipate not just what's happening on the screen. What's also, what also they're betting for for the game. Corner kicks, free throws, everything. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of money at stake, though. I think that... <laughs> I think what one thing about this entire industry is just the way it works and the way the everybody and the and the and the ecosystem makes money. Like if you flip a coin and the odds should be fifty percent uh, each way, the right. way they make money is that the odds they give you are less than fifty percent. So right. the house always wins in in mathematical sense, not even in like a long run sense. Because right. you basically they make sure that the odds are you know even if you win they don't give you fifty percent odds and if you lose right. they give fifty percent odds so right. in either version of the world they always get like a, a cut a vig yes. and it's pretty insane yeah but but, but that is the long term though why you discount that's the long term because you could win even though the odds are lower by chance but then if you play enough times it averages out to the to the actual average so it, it is sort of long term no but they also have the other side the other sides of the bet so you basically don't win as much as yes. you should have won exactly even exactly. if you win is exactly. what I'm saying. So that's why you see, if you watch US sports or the Kentucky Derby, horse racing, pretty uh, original for betting, there's something called the overround, which is the probability that they actually use to calculate. Math, it should be 100%, and then they split it, and then you get the odds. Right. They go as high as 140, 150% for, mm. the, for the big ones like Kentucky Derby. And all of that 50% on top is margin either way. So it, it doesn't matter how much you win. So you, you basically win less than you should have, even when you win. But you're happy because like, you, know, you win something. In a hypothetical world where there's a lot of competition, some of those winnings should pass more and more to the users. Um, but the competitive markets haven't yet evolved to, to that point. So some of the revenues are still kept by the companies versus been dispersed to the regular consumers. Fascinating. And any other upfront information you want to give on the mechanics? This is cool. Because it's about customer acquisition, right? For that reason. And the back end can be differentiated, but it depends on like it's a scale business. The more you have it. It's giving me like payments flashbacks, basically like just context. Yeah, come come through come through our pipes and we take a percentage on your way in and on your way out, right. um, and that's just how they they make money. So they the most efficient of them get big, get get uh, acquire smaller players because the right. more you can acquire, the better you can like the better odds you can provide and the better the more competitive you can be if you have much more people betting on your platform. It's so sad to me because it's almost like. The ultimate slash best consumer for a betting company is someone who spends all their money betting and loses a lot of money. It's like it's one of the few times when your best customer is more likely to be screwed by your business. But I mean that that's just the game. It's just unfortunate because the opposite would be 
like let's pick another sector that we've done let's pick um a let's new pick bank new, yeah. new banks like your best customer is a person who likes the app is keeping their deposits Save, with you saves the most uses it to transact is they've saved a lot of money and time by not going to a physical branch but here the the best the best customer is just an addict anyway fine yeah. life and there's so many different ways to do this and of course the UK is way ahead of the curve here way, way they have like they have betting exchanges where you can make more money from Olumide gets to set his own odds on the Chelsea game <laughs> and I can go f- and there's a marketplaces for me to find him and make and make that bet and take the That's other smart. side of that bet and we can pay each other and the, the platform takes 2% cut um, this is I think Betfair in the UK um, or there's brokers where you can the way people shop for insurance in the US you can go to a broker and see a bunch of insurance providers on one page That's you can nice. go see you want to bet on the Chelsea game and you see like a bunch of odds everybody provides odds right. there's people who do arbitrage which is also fascinating because there's no hmm. science to figuring out the outcome of the Champions League final, right? Right. Um, Chelsea versus Manchester City. There's no, there's no science to it. So right. the different exchanges or spot books will have their own odds. Right. Smart people who know a lot of math would disagree on the odds, which is why people bet in the first place. Right. But you can actually arbitrage enough that you can... Um, you, 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 in, you net out. It's like an options trading, like a colored bet. Yeah, I'll exactly. post a link in the in the in the show notes to what that means. But you basically there's no scenario in which you lose money. Exactly. You either you either like lose a little bit or make a little or make a lot, depending on how you do that. And that's a full time job for a lot of people, by the way. Uh, let's pick a random game: Chelsea versus Manu. Based on the betting company, some could believe Chelsea is going to win. Some could believe Manu is going to win. Some could also believe the margin of winning could be different. So you just bet with some of the exchanges by different amounts. And then you'll net out um, the expected value would be net positive because you're betting on both sides and you're doing you're taking the mathematical numbers to understand the difference between both scenarios. So it's a little bit tricky. I don't think it's for regular people to to be honest. It takes some sophistication and it takes you also need to be tracking the changes because sometimes the betting companies change the odds over time. <laughs> so but you, see, but you see, but you see that that's what happens. I think that's that's the the other thing that's unique about sports betting is that there are levels to this, right? As oh, I was yeah. preparing for this, levels. it's like there's like betting on the win, there's betting on throwings, there's parlays, accumulators in the, for in the UK, right. uh, there's teasers where you can pay money to change the odds. Like this stuff, you can go really deep in it. Probably the best way to illustrate that is to look at a market like, I don't know, maybe like the United Kingdom. It's much more massive, much more institutional, uh, much more pervasive. Right. And probably the most mature developed um market for betting in the world i would say yeah. that's my, my my intuition okay okay let's do it so i'm gonna kick us off by talking about uh, betting technology in developed markets and specifically uk so before i do that some quick definitions so there's something called ggr ggr is gross gambling revenue sometimes called gross gaming revenue um, it's also sometimes called ggy uh, gross gambling yield but basically what does it mean it's the difference between how much is wagered versus how much is won so imagine if uh Customers bet $100 million, right? And they win $80 million. It means the GGR is $20 million. It's the difference between how much you bet and how much the the users actually win. So basically, the higher the number is, the better it is for the betting company because that's what they keep. Um, There's another number called NGR, which is the net gaming revenue. So it's GGR, and then you take out some more additional costs like taxes, fees, and cost of operations. So think about GGR as gross revenue-ish for the betting company, and then NGR is net. Okay. So those are some some numbers we'll use later. So the EU market is actually the largest and most competitive uh, market for online and and gambling um, accounts in the world. It accounts for 30 to 40% of the online gambling market. So Banky, you said earlier, 1% for Africa, 30 to 40%. 
So okay. it's massive of the overall market versus Africa, which is 1%. So Europe's 2020 GGR was $29 billion. So massive, um, which is 29. around 29 billion in, in 2020, which is around 24 billion euros. And by the way, this number, again, this is the overall gambling numbers. So it includes online lotteries, online casinos, and it also includes sports betting, which is a specific subcategory category we're going to be looking at. Um, 41% of that was sports betting. And the, comp- the countries in Europe which mostly contribute to this number are UK, Italy, Germany, France, and Spain. They have the highest GGRs. So speaking of UK, Bankley, as you called it, uh, gambling is quite pervasive in the UK. It's very, very common. And it's common because it's been legal since 1960, 1960. So it's been legal for a long time. And that's very different than in America, where it just became legalized in Jersey in 2018. And it's only becoming more legal now. So they had like a 30, 40 year head start. Um, yeah, it was legalized by the Getting and Gaming Act in 1960, like I said. And now it's actually quite institutionalized and quite common. I remember when I moved to London, actually, around 10 years ago. And I moved to London from Chicago. And I was like, man, this is so different. They're like betting shops everywhere. It was just like a normal way of life there. It's so common and part of the culture that eight out of the 20 Premier League clubs are sponsored by betting companies, bank holidays. So basically yeah, about 40%. Yeah. And I was going to ask you to guess, but it's fine. You can just blitz through it. So I thought it was 10. I thought it was 10. It, it, are you asking me to guess English Premier League clubs? You are asking me no, no, to no, guess. You, fine. who it's doesn't fine. watch the English Premier League, so, you're asking me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Please. We're going off script. Okay. Burnley, <laughs> Crystal Palace, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle, Southampton, West Ham, and Wolves. So a huge proportion. The companies are so profitable that they can afford to sponsor Premier League clubs. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's so commonplace, it's not even being seen as odd that they sponsor these clubs, which is fine. Okay, so Banky, quiz time. How many betting mm-hmm. shops are there in the UK? I, I'm, I would say maybe 50,000. It's insane. You know, on every high street, there's a William Hill. <laughs> it's insane. Like, okay. I have never... 50,000 was a bit high. There are a lot. It is, it's between eight and 12,000, depending on the data source. Um, yeah. and, and this is insanely high. Strangely, though, it's decreased since 2018 by about 2 or 3%. But when I did some research, it's decreased because of the M&A, not because of the, the revenue growth. Yeah. So massive business. And it's about 14 billion uh, GGR in the UK. I mean, yeah. it's 14 billion pounds which is about uh, $20 billion. And remember, the Europe was about 29.30, so quite a large amount in the UK. Massive. Like, the, the BBC has no adverts, but gambling logos or br- branding were on the screen between 70 and 90% of the time on BBC Match of the Day. Oh, wow. Uh, and BBC Match of the Day, it's a Premier League summary show um, yes. that's very popular. And so 70% or 90% of the time you're watching Match of the Day, you're seeing a logo for a gambling company because of the shirt sponsors, because of the, the advertising boards, right? Uh, because of the summaries. And that's that's, that's insane. I think people underestimate. Like, it's so big. Like, for, 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 for two years, three years, a Kenyan betting company was sponsoring, Sportpesa, was sponsoring <laughs> Everton and Hall City. <laughs> Which is insane. Okay, so so speaking of insane, what are the big companies? So big companies in the UK, Bet365. um, There's a company called Flutter Entertainment. And Flutter isn't the software development kit that was created by Google. No, it's not that. Oh, Flutter Waves. Flutter Waves, daddy. Flutter Waves, no. It's Flutter Entertainment, which was formed by a merger of Paddy Power and Betfair a few years ago. Next is William Hill. 
um, there's Kindred Affiliates, there's Triple Eight Bet, and there's there's Betson Group. And by the way, let's just talk about some numbers. So Bet365, the first one I said, their market cap is between 10 and $12 billion. Massive. The second company, Flutter Entertainment, uh, their market cap is between 7 and $9 billion. Massive. William Hill, $2 billion. Kindred Affiliates, $1 billion. Triple Eight Bet, $700 million. $0.7 billion. So massive, massive company. So there's a long list, but those are the, the top five or six. And we can see out of the top five or six, four of them have market caps that are in the billions. So very lucrative business. The only the only way I don't recognize any of those names is because they're on the shirts of English yes. family clubs. Yes. Yes. It's insane. Uh, so to so close out on the, the UK piece, even though it's been legal since 1960, like I said before, there has been some increasing government oversight um, recently. So the Gambling Act of 2005 created the UK Gambling Commission. And this commission's role is to oversee all the forms of betting in the UK. And they've placed some new rules on, uh, on some new regulations on sports betting. Uh, so that's basically it with the UK. I will just highlight one quick thing I said before. We're not going to spend a lot of time on US on this because we wanted to focus on UK because they're way bigger. But UK, uh, the US, ever since uh, gambling became legal in Jersey, specifically Atlantic City in 2008, more and more states have been allowing gambling. So now it's between 30 and 35 states um, allow gambling with uh, limited restrictions. So that's... Yeah. 60% of the 50 states in America are now pushing towards more, more gambling. Yeah, this is sports betting in, in the U.S. because there was a regulation that said, a Supreme Court judgment that said it's now uh, a question for the states to decide. Exactly, exactly. Um, exactly. But also, the U.K. has a lot more. Um, I want to talk about this because it's relevant when we, when we get to the Africa story. The U.K. has a lot of regulation. Um, they have uh, uh, the U.K. industry-funded organization, Gamble Aware. And I right. discovered also, like, if you put an ad for gambling, you have to add when the fun stops, stop. Oh, wow. In every UK gambling ad, because it's a it's a big problem. Like there's so many stories of people committing suicides or oh, young people getting addicted to, to gambling, especially in the UK, especially in like, um, uh, especially in the UK, especially with the Premier League. Um, yes. It's insane. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there are a lot of downsides. I have a lot of thoughts. I'll keep most of them till the end. The key thing just emphasize now is because the UK started so early, they're seeing some of the downsides at a macro scale and some other countries that are just starting now are only thinking about the potential downsides versus experiencing them. So anyway, that, that's it. That's it with the, with the UK. Cool. Let me let me talk a bit about like India for now. Like yes. India is a good example because it's, eh, it's a bit opposite. It's another emerging market. I saw right. the gross gross gaming revenues for India were $35 billion. Oh, 35 billion. 35 billion. Well, 34.6 in 2019. Wow. That's higher um, than I ever imagined. But a lot of it is around, like, culturally, there's a lot of gambling in old Indian Sanskrit stories. It's oh, something right. that has been happening and not, like, really big laws. So the in India, there's a distinction between a game of skill <laughs> I saw that. I give and a game of chance. Yes. So where do you think sports betting falls into this? Do you think sports betting is a game of skill? A game of, according to the Indian Supreme Court, what do you think? I, I, I mean, the definition is so wonky that there's just a massive gray area in, in between. Like, okay, if I were to bet on the outcome of, let's say, Man City and Arsenal, and let's say I've been a Man City fan for eight years, I could say there's some skill, right? Because I know the players. I know this guy's a good right back. So it should be more skill than chance, but honestly, man, now we're just we're just splitting hairs at that point. There are no federal laws against sports betting in India because it's determined as a game of skill. Exactly, L like I just said. But we're splitting hairs because what if I had never watched a Premier League match before? Then it is actually chance. I actually don't know. So it's based on the individual and it's based on their perception of their knowledge of the game. So it's it's a yeah. bit weird to split it that way, but hey, it is what it so is. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of different like regulation. So it's almost like is then a decision of, of the states. So Indians, 29 states, seven union territories can decide um, right. whether, they, whether they allow it or not. They do allow some forms of it, horse races, 
lottery. Uh, but I saw a stat also that like the gambling in India is about 60 billion. Like half of that is illegal. Like they believe it happens <laughs> illegally. Um, I was like, okay. Whenever it's left down to the states, it's almost always inevitable that all the states will allow it. Because if one state allows it, that state is going to get more tax revenue from the business. And then if the other states don't allow it, there's a mismatch and they get jealous. They also want some tax revenue. So it's, it's almost inevitable. Because why would a state say no to the tax revenue? Especially because some of the states are so close. <laughs> the citizens would just walk across, gamble and come back. And they, they, they're foregoing some tax revenue. They would have to be super, they'd have to have alternate motives. Maybe some religious, personal um, reasons not to. But it's, it's very likely if it's left to the states, they'll open it up. Which is what's happening in America. Also, also what's happening in India, but it's exactly. not as it's popular. But also, you must remember that India is, you know, one point two, one point three billion exactly. people, and the UK right. is, you know, a small island yeah. in uh, 50, a small, 50 million, a small island, and that's very, it's very different population set. But to be comparative, so it's not as big as it could be if you look at like I don't know GGR per capita. <laughs> is that what um, people use? I love that. I just, I just made it up right now. Um, GGR per capita, uh, but it's definitely something that is fairly sizable and, and growing and growing broadly. Okay, okay. So that's a good summary of a developed sports betting market versus one that's still nascent. And now we're going to talk about the Africa piece. So Banky, yeah. you want to kick us off with some yeah. uh, history and background of sports betting and gambling in, in Africa. Cool. So I feel like sports betting in Africa has been sort of mostly focused on horse racing and football and i say horse racing because wow, if you I think if you that. think of yeah horse race, i mean race course in lagos island is literally a horse racing right um horse racing path right, right? but also mm -hmm. north but africa that's like is a minority thing well. compared to soccer now people love soccer so i thought it'd be a no. distant second oh i mean now 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 horse racing is not even in conversation i meant like historically ah um, right okay 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 yeah but but it's also like it, south africa is again as i've said earlier is sort of the biggest uh the biggest set of um is the biggest market for 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 gaming or sports betting in Africa, and what has happened is a lot of it has been offline historically, and now with the internet and a lot of these other macro trends, mobile phones access, internet access, yes. cost of data going down. Yes, um, it's the same behaviors, the same things. By the way, are moving online, right? Yes. So I remember growing up, we had this. Um, do you know what pool is? Pool betting pool. pools, pool coupons. Yes. No, not really. Sounds odd. Go for it. Betting pools are basically like you get a pool coupon and, and if you remember maybe they have these shops and usually old people pensioners will sit down there there'll be stuff on the wall but, but you bet you bet on a lot of different games and the player with the most accurate predictions wins the top prize it's basically like a hangout spot you just go there right. sit down hang out and you play on these coupons come back in the evening check the results on a transistor radio and that that's happened for a while very physical again no internet in this and stuff it's called at all. a pool when you said a pool i thought you meant something completely different that's why it's a betting pool it's a betting pool okay. so me and you put our money in a pool right make a prediction on a series of games right the reason why they go to fourth or fifth division is that there just are not enough games every day <laughs> but on all the levels of english english football right there are games every day so there's always something to bet on wow um, um, and then it, it that, those were really popular in the twenties. Uh, and, and then no one else wins anything. It's like first wins something, second, third. Then everyone else just loses. Everyone so, wins something. I think it depends on the pool. I think okay. if you want to play pool, I can send you a link to an app. Don't ask me about I'm how the winning not, works. Not playing that shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that those were very popular. I remember at least for when me when I was growing up uh, in okay. Nigeria. And then lotto and lotteries, which were more. Um, like Baba Jebu, um, which you'll be familiar with. It's very like Premier Lotto. Do you want to explain what, what it means 
to the audience? Yeah, that's this is how do you, how does one explain Baba Jabu? So Baba Jabu is basically a lottery, but it's think about it it's a daily lottery. They have lots of games, maybe twenty games. You 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 win some money. You can win. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Um, I have m- many questions. So basically, ask away. Is it a permanent? physical location or is it someone who's walking around getting participants to c- all, contribute? All, all, okay, so, all, all. So it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Okay. So, so, so basically it's either a, a physical location or a person and the person walks around, gets a group of people to play. They all bet and then he keeps no, no. someone, they stay, take the rest. That's how it works. We've, we've moved on from betting pools. Betting pools are completely different. So this is not betting pools. This I know. I'm talking about Baba Jabu right now. Well, Baba Jabu is not, Baba Jabu doesn't care about like you getting a lot of people. That's important for the agent. Baba Jabu is a lottery, and the agent gets a commission on, on, on how much they sell, right? Fascinating. How much do you think the commission Baba Jabu agents receive is? Uh, 20%. 15 on their sales in a day, which is very high, by the that, way. It's good. It's good business. They have to give them yeah. high commissions. Anyways, let me talk about how it works. This is, this is important. Um, so it's a daily lottery. You go during the day. They usually have a stall in markets and shops. Right. You can pick. Uh, they, they have different ways to play the different games. You can pick two numbers out of 10. You can pick two short, which is you pick two out of five. So they, they release five numbers. If any of the two numbers you pick are in there, three direct, four direct, five direct, which means that if you get all the five, you can get like, you know, tens of millions of Naira. Um, but it's very popular. Really? It's incredibly popular. How, how much does each person typically uh, bet? Okay. 100 Naira, 1,000 Naira. Yeah, over. But also daily as well. Right. Which is interesting because in the evening at seven o'clock they release the results. You go to the place where you put the bet. <laughs> you basically you either get your money back from the the agent or you get it back from um, from the head office if it's a large sum. Okay. What I was curious about here is is I haven't thought about is like how many agents they have that right. that for for their business. It's pretty impressive how they've built an agent network in a way that you wouldn't even think about how, from how like a fintech work? perspective. Are they similar to like MTN telco agents or are they different? So they have they have like a big red box. Um, mm-hmm. The red box probably has some SIM card in it, maybe CDMA right. or something, some proprietary right. thing in it that they use to connect to the head office to print right. out the tickets and the numbers. Right. And they settle with the head office either every other day or every day. By the the, the following day in the morning, right. um, they settle with the head office and they sell tickets. That's it. And every in the evening they get the numbers and then people come there and hang out. Wow. Um, Fascinating. I can understand how it would be super addictive because. The frequency is high. Everyone else is doing it. There's like a social component. Small um, ticket sizes. Yeah, small tickets. So super accessible. Like when you were saying 50, 100, 90, for the audience, that's basically like, it's le- less than a dollar. It's like 30, 40 cents. Interesting. Hmm. You know, you know what's, I used to work in tech show markets in Yaba. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. big open air market when it was getting built. Right. And I used to work with um, some of the laborers. So these are like day laborers. Uh, they would make, what they do is that we wouldn't have a lot of like trucks. So in, in U.S. construction sites, you'd have trucks to carry sand or things from one place to another or supplies from one place to another or cranes or stuff. We just use humans for that. And they would get paid 1,500 hour a day at the time, which was maybe at the time $10, now maybe $5 mm-hmm. uh, a day. And this guy every day didn't have a house, slept in the site. One of the people I knew there, Steve-O, uh, wherever Steve-O is now, um, <laughs> And every day, without fail, finish work at six, uh, seven, and it's hard work logging things from side to side, basically. And then every day in the evening, he'll go dress up and go sit down by the Baba Jebu store and place a bed, 100 naira, 200 naira, out of his one five a day. Yeah, he was an uh, addict, which, basically. That's the, the it, ugly underbelly of this stuff. Many different factors as to why sports betting is beginning to flourish. So, Banky, I'll go through some of them. Let me know your thoughts. So, I think. 
uh, high unemployment in a lot of African countries, which obviously means lower income and people are just trying to find ways to make money. And specifically, what do you mean by that? So Namibia, 33% unemployment. Nigeria, 28% unemployment. South Africa, 30% unemployment. Angola, 30% unemployment. Mozambique, 28% unemployment. On and on and on. So I think that's one first, one primary reason. Yeah. Another reason is I think there's like a general love of sports and fandom and the combination of the sports with the betting means a bunch of there's a high likelihood people will associate the two and go ahead. The third reason is there's a young median age. We said it before on the Bcash episode yeah. 19, uh, Kenya 20, Nigeria 18, Ghana 21. So just younger people unemployed who like sports, add that with the increasing smartphone adoption and the ease yeah. of use to get access means uh, these four factors plus a bunch of other ones just means it's ripe for the, for the industry to start to flourish. Oh, the other thing that you think about is the ease of making payment. But now, the, now I can do it from my phone. Only of the mobile money operators, they're all hooked up. Yes. Person payments volume. The amount of people connected to the internet has doubled in Africa from 2014 to 2018. Right. The amount of mobile phones penetration, listen to our transition episode. Yes, it's I was going to say. It's crazy how many yes. phones are getting sold in Africa. The average cost of one gigabyte of data is going all the yes. way down. Yes, right? that's Africa episode of three, by the way, uh, slash yeah. transient or episode three about the phones. Yeah. They are zero rating a bunch of stuff. The second thing that has come up is this proliferation of agent networks that yes. has made it an acceptable career by the way to be an agent yes. and if you can more than an agent for two or three things where you can make money from paga in cash in cash outs make yes. money from mtn cash in cash outs right. make money from baba joe cash in cash outs it's a it thing. can be very it can be very profitable to be an agent right right um and also you have a lot more autonomy than a regular job you have more agency it's your own time you can work as much yeah. as you want um yeah understandable the final um, thing is also like there is globalization like if you think about it right it's super absurd like i'm a Nigerian who grew up in Surulere, in right. Lagos, like, why do I care about Chelsea in Southwest London? Like, why does it affect my mood? <laughs> it makes no sense, right? right? I'll be the first to admit that. But there's a lot of people who are fans of these clubs for different reasons, for whatever reason, and feel an right. affinity that is completely made up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the lies we tell ourselves, and that just drives people to act in irrational ways, like bet significantly yeah. in order to juice juice your emotional return, I guess, which right. is and, and my team won and I made more money. One, one thing I'll add to some of the reasons we said, even though they're the primary reason driving sports betting uh, companies, they also drive any consumer business in general. So even though I would look at some of these things as quite negative because you're pushing people to spend and waste a bunch of their money, if you think about high unemployment, increased smartphone adoption, young median age, they are also general metrics that could drive broader consumer businesses. It's just a hard uh, thing to swallow. I have a few yeah. a few stats I wanted to roll through about yeah. betting in African countries. So I saw a study that said over 60 million Nigerians um, participate in different forms of sports betting. I was like, oh, wow, because 60, the denominator for the audience is like 200 million population. So that's a bunch. That's like almost, um, what's the math there, like 30% huge. And then in South Africa, more than half of South African adults place uh, sports yeah. bets. So that's like 50%. Uh, and similar in Kenya. So just huge percentages, 30, 50, 40. A lot of people are into sports betting in African countries is the crux. And if you look at our share, so this is the thing that is interesting or alarming. It's maybe one of the most exciting growth areas in Africa tech, just honestly. Like whatever you think about gambling or betting. Oh, yeah. If you think, if oh, yeah. You think you're, about it. You're starting the, from 1% of the total and you're, you're growing. Oh, no, for sure. It's, it's going to be massive. It's already massive. You're growing way faster than the others, and there's so much room for penetration. Right. And let's talk about regulation for a second. Okay. Like it's it, it's it's very different across different parts of Africa, and, exactly. and, and and it's definitely like a common trend. Like Africa just doesn't do a great job of monetizing as a country with regulation. A lot of this like vice sectors, right? Right. Um, right. But if you think about like 
the in North Africa, a lot of it is in many parts of North Africa, gambling is forbidden. Completely banned. Because it's 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 against the law. There's stuff that it, it happens uh, despite that, like of crypto course. in Egypt, like it's banned. <laughs> but how do Egyptians keep trading crypto? Um, so people figure out how to make it work if they yes. want to. Uh, yes, and, and banking. I should talk about. It. So the three broad categories of regulation is like yeah. number one, completely banned. Number two is allowed with clear regulation, and then number three is just like unclear, hazy regulation. So those are the three categories. And yes, uh, North Africa is firmly in the first completely banned category. Yeah, but also even where you talk about being regulated, um, is is the regulation right? Like, are the taxes high enough? Right. 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 Um, do we have like a a fund or something to help people who have been addicted to gambling? Is there yes. any kind of investment liability? Yes. Yes. Is what kind of audits are done on your books to make sure that they're that, that they're paying right taxes on profits? That uh, one is the one time. that actually hits me because it's a, a lot of the audience may not know this, but um, African and developing countries do a very poor job collecting taxes. So there are three different things. There's the first things like set the right tax regulation. The second thing is collecting it. And then the third thing is obviously spending it. But spending it is government expenditure. It's a different thing. Yeah. But that middle bucket of collecting it is unfortunate if you don't collect it after you've already said the correct numbers in the first one. But it happens a yeah. lot. And, and and I think that like on the first and the second one for gam for 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 gambling is if you look at tax as a percentage of GDP for African countries, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have exact numbers here, but it's it's laughably it's low, m- right? It's laughably minuscule. low. We tax minuscule. almost nothing of the economic exactly. act- activity in the country, right? And, um, and, and they lose both ways, both commercial taxes where you tax businesses and individual personal taxes. So it's not like one or the other; it's like bad across yeah. the board, regardless of what they're taxing. Um, yeah. uh, some other information: I saw Uganda banned uh, sports betting in 2019 April. Um, but then a few months later, they backtracked after some yeah. consumer backlash. And they said, actually, we only banned foreign-owned sports betting companies. It's a little yeah. bit uh, hilarious. And Kenya had a whole thing with Spotpesa as well. Yes. Um, there was a whole back and forth with Spotpesa. Spotpesa is a super fascinating company. Yeah. Fascinating story about like uh, Bulgarians and government involvement and sponsoring everything on Formula One and <laughs> billion dollars in revenue all from betting in, in a relatively small African country of Kenya. Right. It's insane. Uh, other regulation examples, uh, the Nigerian tax authorities, FIRS, uh, they announced they were going to start charging VAT on lottery and gaming activities. And they also uh, announced they would have an automation process to increase their, their collection rate in, in 2019. So a bunch of different comp- uh, African countries are doing different things. Yeah, I mean, if you even, yeah, okay, I'm not optimistic. If you look at like across the African countries and you think about like what is the same or what is different, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. some things are very similar. So I saw some interviews with some betting operators. So the way customers bet, the amounts they bet, obviously relative to the income, how often they bet, what mobile devices they use, yeah, all transition, we know this. Listen to our transition episode. <laughs> episode um, yeah, what they bet on is largely the same across many countries. Right. Basically, like it's like African consumers are, you know, like all Africans think alike in that no sense. Um, I know. They like big sports multiples. This is one of the better purposes. They like Premier League, La Liga, and other European leagues. Mm-hmm. They like to bet small to win big. Right. Uh, the amount, the actual amount varies according to wealth in each country, but it's all clustered within like a, a low number. So, so but I also, you, you know what this means? This is actually something interesting. It means this is one of the few sectors where it's easier to do M&A across different African countries. Because if the consumers, if, if what you're saying is the consumers have similar preferences, it's just a scale game. Get big, launch across different countries, um, probably nudge the government to make sure the regulation makes sense and just scale. No, but but in some ways it's also like payments because a lot of the 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 the, the hard problems in, in 
gambling mm-hmm. around paying cash in, cash out. Oh, I can't wait to talk about companies. Yes, not, we have some companies not, solving this, and if we're going to talk yeah, about it shortly. Not so much like the bookmaking, which right. is like you can find bookmaking as a service, basically. You want to get odds as a bookmaker, and they'll right. give you the, the odds, the businesses that just sit down and calculate the odds, they'll give of you the course, odds. standard. That's fine. You can find that as a service. But in Nigeria, you need to figure out how you integrate with NIBS and InterSwitch. And in Kenya, you need to have a right. different set of problems and integrate right. with M-Pesa. Yes. And in Uganda, is a different set of problems. There are companies so, doing, doing this. In a way, it's so, almost like there's a lot more overlap with this and FinTech than I thought when I started research. You're right. There's some overlapping because, skills. Here. Because all the hard problems here are FinTech problems, which is distribution is a massive problem in this place because for some reason they still have a lot of physical yeah. stores because I read a bunch of articles where they're like oh people can bet on their phone at home but because either their phone is slow or their internet is shit or they want the yeah. social atmosphere there's also some distribution play with about building yeah. stores so I think oh, I partially yeah. agree with you online betting is maybe 30% I said that maybe 20 to 30% of, of, of all rev- of all betting revenue uh, mm-hmm. in Africa as a whole um, so I definitely agree with that but it mm-hmm. seems to me I was I was surprised by how much the challenge of setting up a, a betting company is really just about fintech. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. It's really about like, oh, I need to talk to the guys at uh, Flutterwave and Paystack and right. And and, and uh, fintech every is everywhere, man. Fintech is taking over the world. Oh, okay, okay. Should we talk about the, the startups across different African regions, or do you yeah, want to send any additional context? Let's do that. Let's, okay. let's let's actually do that. Okay. You want to start with South Africa, or you want me to kick us off no. with uh, West Africa? Why don't you kick us off? I was okay, okay. Uh, I'll kick us off with West Africa. So uh, there are a bunch of large sports betting companies. Um, there's BetKing, BetRadar, BetNiger, SportyBet, BetPower, NairaBet, MerryBet. I'm not going to go through all of them because actually their business models are relatively similar. I'll just talk about a few that are bigger and what I think is unique or interesting about them. So let's start with BetKing, B-E-T-K-I-N-G. Uh, so BetKing was founded in 2018, so very, very new company. Um, and it was founded by Byron Petzer and Adekunle Adeniji, okay? One thing I thought was cool about the founding story is, so Adekunle, let's just call him Kunle for the sake of this podcast. He was a manager at BetNiger on virtual products before he left to join BetKing. And as of 2019, he's left BetKing and he's now at, oh, Bet, wow. at Bet Bonanza. So this dude, uh, Kunle, uh, if anyone knows him, please, or Kunle, email us info at Afrobilly. He's an OG in the game. He's worked at three different betting companies in, in over uh, nine years. And out of these three companies, two out of the three are some of the biggest uh, betting companies in Nigeria. Another fun fact, Bankly, their marketing uh, strategy, they uh, they partner with JJ Okocha as their brand um, ambassador. For those who don't know, yeah. JJ Okocha is one of the most popular Nigerian so, players, super super famous. So they all do, by the way. I feel like it's the, it's called the retirement plan for Niger- former Nigerian football players. Um, <laughs> if you're semi-famous, you have a betting, right. betting relationship with one of them. Um, because it's great. Like, it's... It's, you know what it says? Like, betting is one of those things that's easy money if you can make it. Then interesting things are about acquisition, right? Right. Or fintech. And if fintech is, you know, solved, quote unquote, um, in some of these markets, then your edge is about acquisition. Right. Because I don't know if the customer is sophisticated enough to do odds comparison. But they're such. sophisticated some enough are. to know about who JJ Okocha is. Who JJ Okocha is. I don't know if the customer is really trying to be like, well, these odds are consistently 10% lower than Bet Niger. <laughs> it's 1.34 in yeah, Bet Niger versus Bet 1.33. <laughs> but, it, you know, I lose my money on the over-under than I do on right. the money line. And it's like, yeah. Right. It's also really, really hard to compare because like one week it's Chelsea versus Man City. Another week it's Man City versus Man U. So what do you even compare? Are you comparing the bets across different games every week? No one has time for that shit. They'll just move on. You talked about like M&A, right? Yes. There's a lot of 
Uh-huh. Yes, that's my next point. There's, exactly. there's a lot of different different smaller pieces, and this is a scale business. Right. And it's about acquisition, and then you just buy like you buy a customer group, basically. Exactly, exactly. Um, and speaking of which, so we're talking about BetKang right now. In 2020 October, so very recently, MultiChoice paid $80 million for a 20% stake. Right. Interesting. And it gets even better. They also had 30 million for additional earnouts based on different milestones. So technically, you could say it's 80 million. You could also say it's 80 plus 30, which is 110 million. Um, for and 20%. For, for, for 20%, right? <coughs> Betking was valued at 400 million as of 2020 October. I was like, I can't believe this. Okay, so this is what Multi Choice said, Bankoli. They said, we're gathering a stake to expand our entertainment ecosystem further. Fascinating. And it gets even better. Three days Tell ago, me. 2021 June, actually, I think it was like yesterday, MultiChoice increased their stake from 20% that they got to 49%. And the best part about this is, dude, it means the effective valuation is a billion dollars. BetKing is a unicorn. Why? Because MultiChoice paid, uh, where is it? Okay. So they paid $100 million for 9.6% stake. Unbelievable. Like, I almost shit myself when I, when I saw this. This is some underground stuff. They're, they're worth over a billion dollars. So as soon as I saw this, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what their revenue numbers are. And they are public, so we have it. So BetKing, their revenues were $88 million in 2020, which basically, if you do the $1 billion valuation to revenue multiple, it's about a 13x um, enterprise value to revenue. That's pretty healthy. That's I, pretty tame for a fast-growing business. As it means fast-growing, that's pretty like... I, I mean, but that is solid because I know some startups are raising at 100x uh, value to revenue. So this is actually relatively fair. It's just, it's, I just can't believe they're a unicorn and no one is talking about them. Um, now, you'll see some reports where they say they paid a larger amount for a larger stake. But if you read the details of the announcement, you actually see they had a blended acquisition value. And the key thing is the 100 million for 9.6% not the additional 21.4% they got later on. So fascinating. Betking, um, unicorn, billion dollars. My mind is blown. We have a future episode on multi-choice. If it's something we should be talking about, please email info at realestate.com. Well, this is definitely soon. something to talk about. Because it's like, it's very clear multi-choice is going from pay TV and all this other stuff to Expanding. entertainment. Right. Um, you know what they say, can lose with coos. Oh, just absolutely un- unbelievable. Um, okay, so that is BetKing. Let's keep going. Let's go to BetNiger, also one of the biggest. So founded in 2013, so it's a little bit yeah. older um, than BetKing by Kunle Soname and Ayo Ujuroye. So those are the two people. They're still there right now. The m- most fun thing to me is the way they do their marketing. So they have a deal with a sports club that's also owned by, by the owner. They're the primary sponsor jersey. Um, and then another thing I thought was fascinating is the owner of Bet Niger is actually quite rich and popular. He's the first Nigerian to ever own a European club site. So he owns um, a Portuguese team in the second division. Fascinating. So the business is so lucrative that the owner is rich enough to own uh, a Portuguese team. So you can already see from these two examples, this business, sports betting is massive. I will also say two things about these companies. You notice I didn't talk about product differentiation, UX. It's mostly just scale, <laughs> distribution. No, no, no. seriously, that's just it. Scale, distribution, and push it through. Uh, they announced they have around 2 million users, um, and that 80% of the users bet uh, around 200 uh, Naira. I think South Africa is somewhat different. Just being a much more established market, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of entrepreneurs there's a lot of new offshoots so betway has okay. an africa business right. uh, real panda right but what was interesting in south africa i found is is service businesses for betting companies 
Service businesses for betting companies. Oh, I can't wait to hear so, this. So like, like mobile money integration companies, one called Wallet Tech. Yes, that's what I was going to talk about. So cool. Yeah, and, and I thought, they're like, hey. They're smart. They moved They moved from, they used to be like payments integrator, all of that good stuff, maybe yes. stack type stuff. Yes. Like, no, nah, no, nah, we just do this for betting now. They're smart. We're a betting-focused company. They, they have Their website is betting and crypto and other things. Yes. They have a whole brochure for what they do for do you, betting. Okay, thought, so we should get into this because I thought it was interesting. So they started with, um, merchants, payments providers. So basically exactly like yeah. Flutterwave and Paystack, like you said. They pivoted a little bit to just allow companies integrate with mobile money per providers. So it's mm-hmm. if, if you're a, a small company in Kenya and you want to integrate with M-Pesa in Kenya, you want to integrate with all the different mobile operators in different countries like MCN, they'll do that. And then they did the final pivot bank, it's what you're saying. Now they offer on their website a flexible API that offers integration for bookmakers and brokers to a wide variety of geographical payment providers across Africa. Smart. Shovels, basically. Because because we've we've talked about the difficulty of the regulation in the different African countries and meeting the requirements. Right. Like I don't want to come there and have people fly from South Africa to Lagos to start negotiating with these different people. Right. Versus one have them take one shop, right. go and tell me, launch in Uganda, give me a sheet, give me a bunch of APIs, and I pay them, and they figure everything out for me. Right. Um, that's tempting. And it's very clear that this is something that the demand must have been validated because all the businesses are trying to expand and grow. Yeah. I've talked about the share of global gaming revenue. Like This is... Right. It's going twice as big as the rest of the world, gaming I, revenue in Africa. I have a question for you. It is a bit of a weird pivot in that normally when I think of a pivot, I'm in business line A and I pivot to business line B. And B may be orthogonal or different. But this business line is a subset of their former business. So it's a bit of a weird pivot. It's like it's more like a concentration play. Because, for example, Flutterwave can do this. It's like an API yeah. to accept payments. Paystack can do this. But I think what they're saying is they want to concentrate on something exclusive. I wouldn't even call it a pivot. It's just, it's just a little bit strange that they're saying this because they were already doing this before. It's a subset yeah. of their former business model. Like if, if if there's anything we're missing, please email uh right. info at I, I, I always feel that like they see the numbers. I always feel like payments companies should just set up VC arms like <laughs> PayPal or Salesforce Ventures. Because they see who's they see the, the, the like Salesforce Ventures sees people connecting it exists. to Salesforce PayPal and using and doing exists. That. It exists. Yeah. No, I know PayPal does that because they can see the payments flows. Exactly. I always feel like Paysac and Portal Wave need to start like basically have a whole team who's like just pulling those reports every week. Right. And look at the biggest growers and just giving them, putting money in them. Right. Because it's, it's, because it's clear that they saw something in the volumes and they go like, nah, we're not an API company for payments. Right. We're a betting company. Yeah. We're a betting service provider. I, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued. And for more information about Walltech, they were founded in 2013. So they're yeah. also uh, rel- relatively new. And they are in 14 African countries, but most notably South Africa, Kenya, Uganda, and Namibia. Nice. Cool. Let me. Let and, me talk any about other like, big, big ones in South Africa? No big ones that I I found interesting. A lot of them are like big global brands. Right. One of the one of the interesting things is not many of the companies are differentiated in the ways that I don't know. When we look at health tech, exactly, exactly, exactly. Maybe I don't know enough about it. No, no, you know about you're 100 correct. Let, let me uh, expound on that a little bit. So when we did health tech, for example, you'd be like, health tech has these four, six categories across the value chain. This company's focused on A. This company's focused on C. This company's focused on D. Here it's different. Almost every company offers the exact same thing. You can bet on the exact same sports. The only difference is. 
Are they in slightly different African countries? In other words, their geographical expansion through M&A. Or how do they think about marketing and branding? But the actual feature set is 90, 95% the same. I tried to do some research about UX, usability, better, better product features. It's not that different because a lot of the features they have are just inherited from the UK. Like they can just copy the same UX because it's already developed in another market. They don't have to start from scratch. Back to East Africa now. Oh, um, oh I had uh, just a few more things on South Africa. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about these companies, but we'll just list them out for the sake of completeness. There's Betway, Sunbet, Sporting yeah. Bet, Palace Bet, Bet.co.za. ZA. ZA, if you want to have the, the, the Canadian pronunciation. Um, and then there's First Bets. So there are a bunch of them, but since the differentiation isn't that much, we're not going to spend a, a lot of time on that. The key one really was Wallet Tech. Um, we yeah. spoke about before. One of the things that's interesting for me is the fact that there's not a lot of fundraising news for them. Apart from the boys we spoke about before. Yeah, apart that from Becky. That's, that's what was The unicorn, the underground unicorn that blew my freaking mind. Because, anyway. because, you know why? Because they spit cash from the first day. Right. That's right. insane. This, they're cash flow positive from the jump on yeah. average, right? I mean, the revenues of $88 million in 2020 is just unbelievable. Like, how much does GT Bank make? Like, if like if, Ooh, if you think that, about that's like, true. like, we like, to find those numbers. And and okay, I didn't mention this earlier when I was talking about Bet King, but Bankole, guess what? The revenue Kager is forty percent. So in twenty nineteen, I know, I know. <laughs> in twenty nineteen, the revenues were fifty five million. Twenty twenty, eighty eight million. Yeah. So that's why that's why their their valuation is a billion dollars. The multi choice is double dipping. It's crazy, isn't it? If you join our mailing list on Afrobility.com, I'm going to start like a, a unicorn tracker or companies yeah. that have hit past a billion dollars. I feel like there are a bunch of them, which they're happening behind the scenes and no one is talking about them. I was shocked just to see Beck King's valuation. Anyway, future episode, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do multi-choice and Beck King separately. You want to do uh, yeah. East Africa? I, I would definitely do Beck King. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Beck, Beck King and, and, and the numbers were, were a bit disorienting. Okay. East Africa startups. <laughs> Um, so outside of South Africa, Kenya is one of the most gambling-friendly countries in Africa. Like, gambling exists in all forms in Kenya: yes. luxurious resort casinos, yes. bare bones establishments, shops, uh, startups. Yes. Um, Sport Pesa is one of the biggest. Yes, I, I saw you know it. how like I used to watch Everton and see the Sport Pesa, and I used to be like, oh, this is an interesting thing. Yeah. I never made the connection that this is a Kenyan betting company. <laughs> I wouldn't think about it too. Banky, they yeah. have a million users. I was like, oh my goodness, that's a lot. And their annual, and, annual revenues of forty million, so not eighty-eight million like Bet King, but still quite large, considering like you know Kenya is way smaller than Nigeria, right? So yeah, I know, and that's how it makes you feel like Bet King has more to do than has been done. Like, for sure, for sure, sure, for sure. Like it, you think it's a billion now? Just wait, you know, wait, wait three minutes. Yeah, they have a, a lot of a lot of potential. Um, I saw that they yeah. also do um, some sponsorships with the Kenya Premier League, in, in addition to the yeah. one you mentioned previously. So marketing is a big push. Exactly. Formula One. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. It's insane. Like, anyways, there's, I also saw this Betica, this Shawbet. Yes. Shawbet was founded in 2019. I see it. In 2021, mm -hmm. it was acquired by Transatlantic Capital. Mm hmm. A first acquisition by a U.S. company yes. of uh, African 
betting company? East, East African betting company. East I think. African yes. betting company. Yeah, which is, so, so we, we can already see, it's what we are saying before, whenever you see a bunch of M&A, like people are trying to do what I always call the roll-up strategy. They're combining all these different companies. It's happening because why would an American company focus on buying this company? It's because they're like, yeah, they can see, see the potential and they're, they're just going to be more and more M&A happening. The multi-choice one for me is the most telling that they did an initial 20% stake. Six months later, they took it to 49%. So they saw the growth on the numbers, which is a 40% yeah. Kager. So yeah, it's happening. U.S. acquisition. Oh my, oh my, like I, I know. It, 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 it killed me. And, and they've had a lot of run-ins with, so if you believe anything you read in The Guardian, you know, the Kenyan press, about how connected Spot Pesa is and how the country has all these issues with gambling. Right. Um, they, in 2019, the president complained about it. They tried to ban it. But they didn't just ban it. They just disconnected them from M-Pesa, <laughs> which I felt very, like, very zen. Which is, uh, oh, oh you, can do your bet, you can do your betting business, right. but just not on M-Pesa. And it's like, yeah, go, good luck. Yeah. You know, good luck. So the business shrunk, and then they hiked gambling tax again. Nice. And they expelled some of their executives. Right. But they relaunched in November last year, and they're back. They're back and going. Like, the money, the money at stake is just too much and too yeah. high in a way that it's... It's difficult or near impossible to stop right. for for these for these like betting companies. Yeah. I, I can't believe how much actual cash they're spitting. I know. Like it's I know. I, and, and the growth rates, the growth rates are crazy. Should, should we talk about twenty two bet? They're smaller, but yeah. I thought their background yeah. was, was fascinating. No, go, go ahead. Okay, okay. So twenty two bet. We're not gonna go into a bunch of the details because it's a little bit boring. But what I thought was fascinating is their marketing strategy. Basically, they market with a bunch of international sports stars, and they sponsored the Ronaldinho and Friends uh, charity match a bunch of years ago. So they continue to focus on using sponsorships, like we said with Okocha before, to get well-known yeah. well people. And they're doing international stars versus some other people focus on African stars that are more r relatable. So I, I, I thought that was cool. Um, and yeah, they, they do integrations with M-Pesa, obviously. They also do some integrations with Airtel Money, which just makes sense. So they're pushing, they're pushing more international sponsorships and broader integrations. Money made from like uh, uh, from packing uh, manure does not smell like manure, so to speak. That, like, <laughs> that's funny. That, that's funny. Green green money is good anywhere in the world, and it's very clear this money this people have cash because if Ronaldinho is going to help me sell tickets in Nigeria, right. Ronaldinho is going to have a, you know is going to have a number right. to show up and kick a ball around, for, for pay sure. that number for sure. And it wasn't a one time ad. He's their ambassador, just like Okocha is the band. He's like the perm they have a long term deal with him. So imagine how lucrative it is versus doing a one time uh, marketing fee. So yeah, yeah, definitely a bunch of Should we set up a betting company? Hell no, hell no. I I I'm hundred percent against this. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? 100%. Why? Why? Let's. I I want to. I want to. I want to dig unpack into this. It. How do you feel about? Are you? How do you? Yeah, I want to unpack it. Like, how do you? Are you hundred percent against alcohol? Like you also don't drink. Are you hundred percent against alcohol? Oh, okay, so let's get it into. It. I was gonna save this to my summary. Basically, the way I feel about this business is. I wouldn't say the government should ban it because I believe people want it and they should be allowed to have it. I just feel like the downsides for most people significantly outweigh the upsides. That that is very very simple. Like for a regular person who's betting, the expected value is negative, so you're going to be worse off. So I, I'm not a fan of it because the majority of the customers are going to lose a lot of money. So it's very very simple, Bankoli. That's basically it. Now some people could say um, it's entertainment, it drives employment, it drives taxes. Like there are a bunch of reasons I agree with, but the net of it, the nets for most people that do it, it's going to be it's going to make their lives worse. So I'm I'm yeah. against it. But I haven't said that. I'm not against it to the extent I believe no one should do it government should ban it no no mm -hmm. i think it's fine people can do you can make your money but me personally i don't want to be involved the addiction the negative downsides the suicides 
messing up your income is just most of these people in African countries don't even have that much money. Like when you don't have that much money to start off with and you're losing some of it from betting, it's the worst of both worlds. It's one thing to be yeah. rich and you lose some of it. If you don't yeah. have money, you're losing it and you're addicted and you're yeah. younger. You know when you're younger, the way your brain is set up is yeah. it's easier to get addicted to something when you're exposed to it as, at a young age. There are a lot of factors yeah. where I'm just negative on it. But again, I'll repeat what I said before. I believe the government should allow it with regulation. I think it has some positives, but the net the net is just too negative. I can't I can't support it. Yeah. To be honest. To your point, there's like Nigerians spend fifty six oh god fifty six percent of their income on food. Oh yes, right? exactly. So what's left? If you spend that much on food, what do you do on shelter? I know. On healthcare. I know. So and then entertainment and the entertainment and if you spend that on this, which is basically going to aggressively increase, and everybody all the interviews I've seen of people who have been addicted to this is basically going after. Your losses is what happens. You go after your losses. It's how you you, you get into right. deeper and deeper deeper right. trouble. Well, also, it's a, it's a different kind of entertainment. Like, let's say uh, the entertainment categories are like sports and yeah. video games. Like, when you're paying for sports, there's a cadence, right? You pay to watch this match every week, every yeah. month. But here, yeah. the, the the frequency is basically infinite. If you want, you can bet on yeah. something forever. So even when people equate it to entertainment, they they, for, they forget about the frequency yeah. and the likelihood of addiction. Is someone really going to yeah. be addicted to pain for, for for movies? No, it's highly unlikely yeah. you get addicted to that. But this is set up with like brain triggering to make you addicted, like the colors, yeah. the the variable rewards. Anyway, we're getting on a rant. Let's come back. You asked no. me. Let's come back to to this. But I'll talk about it more at the end. But I, I don't support it. Yeah, I, my, mine is more about regulation and ability to regulate it. Yeah, and and almost like um, neo-colonialism or imperialism uh, again. Mm. Like that's is where a very nuanced thoughts is like I would be very happy if you tax the hell out of this thing. Like petroleum taxes in Nigeria are eighty five percent, right? <laughs> like that's like eighty five percent of how much you make from from crude oil gets that. I'm not right. saying that it should be eighty five percent, but it just should not be corporate income tax rates for a betting company. Yeah, like those has it has negative externalities. That we should figure out how to internalize to the companies. Yep. Um, yep. And we, Nigeria, we are most familiar with, does very poorly on that. Very, very poorly yeah. on that. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Jumping ahead on the conclusion, but let's come okay. to North Africa a little okay. bit. Yeah, North Africa should be short. Right? International companies. <laughs> yeah, North Africa is pretty short. Like, majority <laughs> Muslim countries in North Africa, right. since gambling is illegal in Islam, like, right. non gambling friendly countries, Algeria, Egypt, Morocco, yep. in Tunisia, um, spot no, no sports betting. There's some limited form of sports wagering. Right. What is interesting, I want to point out, is about we should have a conversation of whether the regulations matter because mm. of VPN access right. and because of the globalization of like internet access. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I care, I care what the US regulation is if I want to bet on Premier League because the US government will find me. Right. The US government doesn't play like that. All that stuff is automated. Right. But if I'm in Nigeria, I, I mean, I just open the app, right, and right. I just do that. Exactly. So like. Does somebody in Algeria or Egypt or Morocco it, it matters. Back. It matters to the extent that even if you have VPN, it's not easy. You have a, you, first of all, you need to install the VPN provider. A lot of people underestimate the downside of VPNs because they're just selling your, your data. So let's say they find yeah. a trustworthy VPN partner. Third thing is also the payment processing. If it's not supporting your country, it means they may not support the mobile money that's prevalent to your country. So or your you, you wallet, actually have to your, or your wallets, bank. So you actually yeah. have to use like an actual international credit card. So there are three pieces of friction. Now, some people could still do it, but I think the fact the government bans it will have a dulling yeah. effect on, on the usage, especially the yeah. especially the, the third one on the mobile money or bank bank support. It just creates a barrier exactly. to usage that, yeah. that most people will not yes, uh, yes. do. But, but hey, uh, that, people will still do it. People will still find a, a way to, to do it. I believe that's that's the that's the hallmark of addiction. To right. be honest, like right. that's that's how addiction works. Right. Like it's not even it's not even like a that's exact that's the you know like 
you don't want to do something it's so hard to do but you keep jumping through hoops to install right. the app and the vpn and get a paper wallet by hiding masking your location and using right. that why, why do i i mean why am i so specific about how to bet from nigeria we have a whole episode on this right it's uh, affability.com internet i think it's episode yeah. seven where we talked about yeah. technology uh, censorship so uh, audience if you want to go listen to it uh, affability.com internet or episode seven where we talk about internet access government banning yeah. so especially with the twitter uh, government ban okay anyway coming back uh, there's also international betting startups in Africa. I'm not going to cover this because... Y- y- I, these people are making too much money. Like, is BetKing exactly. a startup? Like, yeah, exactly. they're making too much money to be... From the jump. They're making too much money from the jump to be considered. Like, you think they had, like, a two years of, we're just going to invest in a product and have 45 customers. You think they had that? Or you think they just, like... <laughs> I, I think boom. we should wrap. Okay, well, do, do, do you want to bring us home? Go for it. Then I'll come after you. You don't want to talk about... No, you can talk about the betting companies. I cut you off. But I just, I no, just no, get it, very, it's like... Fine. They're, 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 very minimal. Like, they're minimal because even the ones we already mentioned before, most of them are actually international in their ownership structure and equity percentage. So, so yeah. there isn't any, like, dedicated major international player because they're already sort of uh, Africanized in, in a way. So I'll go through my conclusion right now. Right, So there's different parts. There's a government, a consumer, but also an entrepreneur, okay. right? I start with the government. I think this is one of those things where... Um, African governments do very poorly. Some do more than others, right? The government in Africa doesn't do a good job on average of taxing these vice businesses very highly. If you look at the US and at a federal level or state level, you know, there's always this sticker shock when you go to a new state for the first time mm-hmm. and buy alcohol and you're like, oh my God, like the taxes are so high here. Or, oh my God, the taxes are so low here. Um, and I've done this. So I wrote, I actually wrote a blog post on this on tobacco taxes in Nigeria. I'll share a link to that in the show notes. What if you think of how much we charge for tobacco versus the US and the adverse effects of that? We just do very poorly of that. Mm. And that is happening right now. Like tobacco, um, British American tobacco building factories in Africa. This is one of their biggest markets, mm. all of this stuff. And meanwhile, they're getting slammed in the US, but they're thriving in Africa, Uruguay, and many other mm. emerging markets. So that stuff that's happening. And it's happening again in gambling, right? Mm. Um, one of the things that happens is, how do you determine taxable profits and the applicable tax rate? Right. I saw I saw something from PwC. It's like in Nigeria, the the interpretation is inconsistent. The the applicability of taxes oh is inconsistent. Gosh. Oh goodness! The payments made to foreign partners, how you manage that, is inconsistent. Right. And this is even about the law. Before we get to the gaps in enforcement, and that right. like. The private sector and capitalism is moving too quickly. So that part really bothers me, and that's like a huge red flag. Yeah. Okay. And these companies are like getting a like regulatory arbitrage to grow very quickly in okay. this market. Let me just say something. If anyone is providing or creating software solutions for the governments, can you email us, info.affordability.com? I want to talk to someone who, like, their whole business, their startup, but they're making the government better. Because we're planning an episode about it, and I consistently shit on the government, but honestly... I don't know if it's the government's place to build hardcore tech solutions. Someone just needs to help them. Like, Bank, some of the stuff you're saying, someone can help them do this better. The skill sets of people working in African governments may not be adapted to that. Anyway, keep going, but please email us. I'd, yeah. I'd love to, to chat with you about how you think about providing solutions to, to help the government. Because it, what Bank Holy said is going to apply to a bunch of different industries. It's not just this industry. Because you, yeah. you, you tax a, a bunch of different industries, right? Like, it's a, it's a cross, it's a horizontal problem. It's not just this problem. It's, it's very prevalent here because we want the taxes to be yeah. higher. But still, yeah. yeah. And, the, and, and the regulation is, is just a joke. And therefore, yeah. you can call it a subsidy. Exactly. You can call it whatever you want. But should the taxes be whatever level it is now? Should right. they be enforced better? Right. Uh, we know that on average. There's no reason to believe that, like, we tax all the big companies poorly, but we tax, 
you know, the Nigerian betting companies efficiently. Right. Like, that's, like nobody would believe that. So that's one part of my conclusion that worries me a lot. And I, I don't have a good answer to that. I want to say something which I find really weird about this is normally when we think about government tax, let's say the government could spend the money efficiently, right? So yeah. if governments taxed this and they spend the money efficiently, it means the whole of society would benefit. But the whole of society would benefit by taking money from the people who are performing this. So it's like yeah. money's going from lower income, lower educated, younger people and dispersed across society. It's really, really messed up because it should be working the other way around. Like we should all be trying to help the people who are lower income, but they're the ones giving money to the government. Anyway, I'll talk about it as part of my conclusion. I was going to say, if it was a vice that artificially targeted richer, higher income people, it would be more understandable. So you take the money from them and then you give it across society. But this is the opposite. So it's a little bit unfortunate. But I guess that's the way the, no, the cookie crumbles. I, I re, I'm, not even, I'm not even even about redistribution. Oh, right? right. I'm even about like slowing the growth. I mean, like a speed bump. Hmm. Like taxation makes it much less profitable and much less interesting and much less likely to grow. Right. Hmm. Um, like you tax the things you want less of. And that's part of the whole taxation argument in developed markets. It's just like, right. oh, don't tax the poor man, they're creating jobs or whatever. Right. Um, like, this, this requires a speed bump. And it's a very interesting thing that it's not happening. And if you look at the U.S. states where, for example, cannabis is legal, and you look at your... your, your um, have you ever seen, like, a receipt for those things? I've seen, I can post the pictures of those receipts in the show notes. It's like $3, and they have, like, this 15 lines of taxes. So if you buy a bottle of, of liquor, like five lines of taxes and it's like yeah that's that's how it works because this has negative externalities on the community that this product needs to fund yeah um, you need to but price it back and the weird thing about if you have mispriced externalities you just mess up the whole market it's like economics mm. 101 the incentives will then just be what the companies are doing launch as quickly yeah. as possible bulldoze the government try to not pay taxes send the money back to international people and then just keep going Got it. Okay. Anyway, that was your piece on government. So for the consumer, I have a different point of view from limited. Like this part stumped me a little bit because we, I want people to have options and choice and make good choices. Like, um, uh, I was watching UFC yesterday, and mm -hmm. because I'm, I, I read, know so much about betting, it was like, oh, it's clear what's <laughs> happening. Uh, are people trying to bet now through the different pieces? That's funny. But it's also like. You see the different consumers spending a lot. Like I saw nearly, I saw in Kampala from 2017, nearly one in three young men participating in sports betting, spent 10% of their win income on those activities. You know, like that's insane. Financial constraints in these markets, you talked about unemployment earlier, push people towards betting for the hopes of payouts for liquidity. So it's very simple. It's like, I need 10,000 Naira. I can't get credit, by the way. Right. right? I can't, Monday. I don't have any, no, anything else. But if I believe in Kai Havertz and Chelsea, I can put my 500 naira there and get 15,000 naira, which is my 10,000 I need and 5,000 naira for beer. Yeah, except more likely is you'll get zero. That's the problem with the expected value being yeah. negative. But, but I knew Israel Adesanya was going to win yesterday, so right. I feel like I should have... I should have uh, right. You know what I should have done? I should have actually put in a, put in a bet oh, and, then, and then come to show, Hindsight. Up, show up to you. Hindsight bias 101. Anyway, you were saying... And I think that there's not a lot of people thinking about consumer protection here. Uh, consumer protection, consumer education. And like I, I see the ads. I, I don't see a lot of that information. That, that part really, like, it's a very simple, quote unquote. Like it's really about, at some point, a lot of it, you saw the fintech stuff. You saw the bookmaking stuff. Then it's a custom acquisition play. Right. But if you can acquire quicker and make more efficient and, and like optimize your workflow, you can acquire quicker, get people to come back more. And the incentives are not just attention, which is problematic enough, but also financial. Like, um, and that's 
that's uh yeah that's hard like yeah. it's like it's very hard yeah now okay enough judgment the final piece of my thing is for the entrepreneur right mm -hmm. one thing i think about a lot of macro perspective anybody has thoughts please email infabrilli.com is what changes in africa when everybody has a mobile phone everybody has access to the internet or oh, we have the same internet penetration as india does we're behind interpretation as china as, as china does we're behind mobile phone penetration as china does is that a lot of these macro trends like in retrospect like the longest one inside by us should have seen this coming like if you can now payments are easy business can very easily accept payments exactly twice as many people have mobile phones yes. have connected to the internet yes um cost of data is going down exactly. this is just one of those things that happen and, and one one question that i think about as i look at look at businesses or talk to entrepreneurs is more like are you riding that trend like what changes in that world exactly and what one thing that changes is that all those shops um, that are physical are going to move more and more online. Exactly. Right. Are you going to see a lot more bundling? You're going to see a lot more bundling in game play with multi choice and and, and backing. Definitely, right. that's what's happening. Uh, where you can they're going to start advertising on on, on DSTV and things like that. Of course. You're going to see a lot more of those access. And this is just just an example of where you've built the pipes, and you not take the pipes and put anything on those pipes. And that's a very common trend in, in, in Africa tech as a whole. And betting is just the latest situation of that. The question for entrepreneurs is what's more interesting beyond this betting idea is what does that mean for insurance? How is bought or sold individual insurance? Yes. What does that mean for, um, for different workflows? Food, uh, entertainment, now that you have these pipes that we didn't have five years ago, how people, people uh, make the transactions. I'm excited for the entrepreneur um, in general because it's just an example of how like Previously hard problems like before you did this before before the internet what you have is it was very difficult to set up a betting business because you had to have the agents you had to acquire the agents you had to have a brand you had to build a brand globally and with mobile with pay TV penetration the math switched right with payments easier the math switched right and what other industries is the math changing this quickly yeah. And that's a very fascinating thing. Any ideas, please just email infoforbody.com. Love to talk about this kind of stuff. Love it. All right. Bonk Lee's conclusion was, was slightly different than mine. Okay. So my, my category is consumer. My, my conclusion is more about like opportunities yes. for entrepreneurs exactly. as illustrated by betting. I'm disappointed in the ability of government uh, <laughs> to, to tax and regulate this so far. And we need to just do better on consumer protection. Okay, okay. I think that's probably how I think about my Make, Makes a ton of sense. So I have uh, five categories. Consumers, uh, sports betting, businesses. The third one is investors and entrepreneurs. I lump them together. The fourth one is the bear case for sports betting tech. And the fifth one is the bull case uh, for sports betting tech. Okay, so let's do them one at a time. Consumers. Um, so I never thought we'd record an episode but I actually say consumers aren't winning. Normally, this cat this piece is always so short. <laughs> I, Super short. I, I, do, like, I always say the same thing every affordability episode. Consumers are winning. You have more options. But this is very clear. The consumers are definitely not winning. Like I said, the expected value is negative. So, of course, some people could win large amounts. But the average consumer is definitely lo losing their money. I also want to emphasize there are a few things we didn't talk about that I learned while preparing for this episode. There's something called virtual sports where instead of watching a regular soccer game, which is an hour and a half, two hours, there's a virtual soccer game, a virtual sport, which is like one or two minutes. So you can lose your money so quickly. Um, there are parlay bets where you do multiple bets. So the, the chances of you winning all of them simultaneously even lower. So I, we're not going to get into all of or it. Let's just, the chances of winning you all, a lot of money fine, is even higher. Fine, fine, Um I, I, think, <laughs> I think the fact that some of these companies call themselves entertainment platforms is a little bit disingenuous. Um, but overall, for consumers, I believe consumers should be able to do, do what they want. They should be able to have options. I would just say... 
it's quite sad to do an, a tech episode where the consumers are, are not winning. So that's it for consumers. It's unfortunate, but more optionality. It's life. Um, it's, it's, I find it a little bit sad personally, but that, that's just a personal thing. Oh, second piece, sports betting businesses. Yeah, um, throughout this episode, I think I've had a tendency to shit on the industry. I just want to emphasize what I said before. There are some positives that we shouldn't sweep under the rug. Uh, governments can get increased taxes if they can collect it and if they can spend it properly. There is a tendency for a little bit of reduced unemployment because you have some people who can do things that can get jobs. There's also the third agents. piece, uh, exactly like the agents. There's also the third piece around um, mobilizing um, solutions around this. So if you can create solutions for these uh, businesses, you can also create an ecosystem around them, which is not sports betting, but they enable sports betting and they can be used in other industries. So I think there, there's some benefits. Um, I think, honestly, we call this episode sports betting tech. I wouldn't even call a lot of these businesses tech businesses. I think Shami said it on the Bcash episode. A lot of them are just distribution and marketing companies. Um, as I went through all the companies I was doing research on, the big places of um, variance were regional availability, marketing and distribution. And there was very, very minimal uh, product differentiation. The little bit of product differentiation were around mobile game UX on this smartphone working better, but it's all just distribution. Uh, I'm curious to see how this changes over time with M&A and increasing government regulations. And then another piece on this sport betting companies, which we didn't talk about is, I wanna see the role fintechs play in the future. So if you look at the Opay app, there is actually a betting place underneath it. And the way Opay does it is you click on betting, which by the way, the logo is a soccer ball, but that's neither here nor there. You click on it and it's a straight up partnership model. You basically pick which partner you want. So there's Sporty Bet, Naira Bet, Bet Naija. You, you pick the partner yeah. company, you put in your customer ID number, and then you just make whatever bet you want. So they've already aggregated all the platforms there. Jumia Pay has the same thing. It's under lifestyle offerings and the Jumia Pay app. And then you pick, uh, you pick uh, gambling. They have fewer partners than Opay. But I'm curious to see yeah. over time if more of the fintechs either start to include uh, betting as a sub-function or if they try to I make the, a, a, a bigger piece of their, their offering. The question is which one doesn't? I think they all do. Yes. Like it's, it's just crazy volume. But, 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 I, I but, but will they, will they do it directly doesn't. or just with partnership? Like the way Opay is doing it, they're just taking a cut. Like they're not, it's, yeah. it, they're not even really involved in the market. It's easy to spin with partnership. I exactly. doubt they do it directly. Yeah. Nobody wants to set that up. Yeah. But, but they could acquire. They could acquire one if they believe That's the true. profitability is way Fair higher. Because partnerships, yeah. you're just getting a cut. It's harder. It's e easy to spin up, but harder to make a lot of money. So should Opay take some of that four hundred million dollars and buy? <laughs> Bet night job. Okay, yeah. So yeah. let's see how that changes over time. So that's the sporting, uh, sport betting businesses. Third piece, investors and entrepreneurs. So I have personally opted out of investing in betting um, and gambling companies, but I wouldn't begrudge any entrepreneur or investor for getting into this market. I think there's money to be made. Um, there's growth. Uh, it's just a personal thing that I, I don't want to spend my energy or my time there, but I, I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and think, I'm against any investor entrepreneur doing it. I think it makes sense. You can do it. I personally would, would I, I never want to be involved. Okay. The fourth thing, the bear case, the AKA the negative case. So, so, so the bear case for sports betting is very simple. I, I, this one, this one I want to hear. Tell me. Yeah. The, the bear case is very, very simple. The bear case is increased rates of governments doing outright bans, more public uh, backlash, uh, some social pushback. And basically, it would be perceived more like smoking and less like drinking. Because smoking is, well, at least in America, maybe not other countries, it's like a big social no-no. So those are the things that could, that could push it in a negative spiral. Now, the opposite, the bull case is very, very simple. It's like 
normalization of gambling as a part of everyday life sports betting, which case is just like drinking. It's fine. People yeah. don't mind. And there's clear and reasonable government regulation that enables the company scale and grow more. And then the third piece of the bull case is just increased M&A, like maybe the, the multi-choice, the 49% stake two days ago. Maybe that makes it such that there's more M&A, more deals, more growth, more money. And that's basically that's basically the bull case. So that's my summary. Overall, interesting episode. Um, not... I'm just not a fan of the business overall. I can't hide my, my distastes yeah. for it, to be honest. Olomide is wearing a t-shirt that says the money team. <laughs> just FYI. As he, uh, as he talks about how much he doesn't like money, clearly. I didn't see. I didn't, thank you. Taking out of context. I don't like a situation where your best customer is an addict and the expected value for that person isn't negative. It, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Anyways, anyway, anyways. recommendations and small wins. We, we wrap it? We wrap yes. It? Yeah, okay. recommendations. Let me go. Go, go, go. So I have two recommendations. One is, have you heard of something called uh, st- the study web? The study web? No, no. What is that? It's apparently it's apparently a corner of the internet where, uh, have you seen that? You can watch somebody study for eight hours a day. And it's big. These guys have millions of views, millions of subscribers. You you watch someone else study. So the person has a yeah, webcam Yeah, live stream. On, yeah, and then on, it's social and pressure, study. so the person will just do that. Well, you used to do that, but that was just you and another person. No, but that's even see, that's even different. This is basically the whole area of the internet that is YouTube, but also on TikTok uh, and different things happening. It's a bunch of like apparently Gen Z people needing help studying. So they do like, so that somebody will stream whenever they're studying. An example, some stream whenever they're studying yeah. and you'd be like 3 million viewers. <laughs> like just watching somebody flip through pages. Is it, is it a, an Americanized thing? Europe, China? No, it's all over the world. Wow. It's all it's global. Wow. It's basically a whole generation of people wanting to just talk about studying or the anxiety getting straight A's or anxiety post in school. Link. Post a link. I can't. Yeah, wait. I'll post a link to show notes. It's a great article describing that whole autocover internet. Okay. You're just watching people's studies. Like, why is that? Anyways, wow. second recommendation is my new my favorite song is Feeling by Ladipo. Wow. I'll post a link as well. I can't wait. Um, oh, but by the way, song gives me good vibes. Uh, speaking of songs, you posted a song. In the last episode, and I watched it so awesome. I don't remember the name. Basically, all, <laughs> all I remember from the song was the lead singer had like 40 change of outfits in the song. I'm like, this song is so yeah. fucking cool. You know what I'm talking about? He kept on changing uh, his uh, outfits. Uh, it's the first yeah, yeah. Like, yes, one. Yes, I've, ne- okay, I've never heard this song. I, I know Alamide. Alamide Alam has never heard on an Enduro. No, that was his first song. I've, OG I've never like heard it. Oh my God, the, the song is so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh my! It freaked, it freaked me out. The costume changes freaked me. Freaked me out. But it was cool. Yeah, yeah Lambie is quite popular. Okay. But I think I started listening to him later on, so I missed that song. Later on, that was that was when. So when he was in, he was in. Uh, that's when I was in university, actually. Oh really? That okay. came out. I, I love it so much because, like, obviously, since I understand English and Yoruba, I can see him flipping back and forth. But I feel like even yeah. if I didn't understand Yoruba, I'll just be like, oh, he's saying something cool. <laughs> Okay, you want to do, let me do my recommendations and then you do a small yeah. This is my recommendation. I just have one recommendation. I read uh, The Right of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. So good. Oh my God, the book is I want to so read good. it. It's on my so list. good. It took me so long to read it. It took me like four weeks because I, I kept on doing other stuff. Okay, it's, it's amazing. So, summary for the audience, it's about the former CEO, now chairman of Disney. And it's like an autobiography. So, he talks about his life running Disney. Um, he was part of another company before that got bought up by Disney. He was part of uh, ESPN, and then he was part yeah. of Capital Cities. It's just a wonderful story. It's it's very very well written and highly highly recommended. Great book. I'll read it. It's on my list, actually. You should. You, you, you really like it. I feel like uh, if if anyone has any good autobiographies, email infoabilityabilitycom I feel like I don't read enough autobiographies. The only reason I even read this is because I like business books. But I think if they're as good as this, I'll read more. Yeah, you should. Um 
you should read this biography because we did the episode on, on stock trading yes by the founder of TD Ameritrade oh. the harder I work the luckier I get it's okay, okay. Um, <laughs> you're not but, selling it no but 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 I know you're interested in like that whole stock trading yes and the I am of the industry so that's where that came from okay. so basically think about like he was 60s 70s 80s up until the modern day um, okay I'll check it out very interesting book so, it's, so for the industry context it's interesting for the guy's life story not, not so much at least I did, personally didn't find it that engaging okay I, I read Shoe Dog with uh, Phil Knight like four years that was, yeah. that was pretty good but, but th- this, is, this is better yeah. I still haven't read it as well I was not read Shoe Dog it's on my list as well, yeah, we'll see. this is definitely proprietary because this is more about like business M&A Empire Disney Shoe Dog was about Shoe Dog had more about his personal story than the Nike story. This was much more about the business than about Bob Iger. Anyway, nice. okay, so some small wins. Nice. You want to wrap small us? Small wins. Okay, I have I have one small win. Okay. Um, yesterday, sorry, recording this on a Sunday. Yesterday was UFC 263. <laughs> I don't know um, what that is. I have no idea. My boy, nah, it's fine. The people listening know what it is. Why is there a number after Israel. it? 263. Dude, I'm not doing this, man. Watch sports. <laughs> like, if you don't watch sports, you can't just use this podcast to have me explain sports to you. Okay, you don't watch sports. Like, that's not my problem. Watch sports. Okay, fine, fine. UFC 263. I don't think these are just words to you. Like, nothing means anything. I don't have a clue what the number could mean. Anyway, you were saying. Israel Adesoya um, defended his title. Really great guy. Had a great fight. It was a fantastic fight, fantastic card. Um, I was very happy. And this guy, actually, I would actually post a link. Um, there's a UFC fighter. He's Mexican, but it's the first, first Mexican to win a title in the UFC. Mm. And he had this super like emotional speech, and I teared up a little to his speech after he won. So I will actually post a link um, to that. Oh, this episode is going to be speech. very link-heavy. Please post. And by the way, earlier you said you realized something about betting while watching the UFC fight. Is it because the, yeah. the odds were increasing or going down as it was live? Or what, what did you observe oh, that you no, linked it? No, the, the odds are changing when it's going down, but a lot of it is structure around acquisition for betting. Okay. And that's true for that's true for the Premier League in the UK. Yes, um, I see what you mean. But, I, but, but because of the rule changes in the US, so those DraftKings, FanDuel, are now way bigger, and all the UFC fighters are sponsored by one of the sports books, and a lot of it is, you know, the, the commentators have prompts to talk about how the odds are changing. Like you see somebody who was like favored to win by a lot and gets punched like three times. I'm like, oh, the odds just changed if you want to. <laughs> you can see his, if you wanna, his face if you has change. a dent in it. So the odds are yeah. not lower. <laughs> the odds are not different. Um, yeah. But that, that's actually super fascinating. Um, the UFC or even professional sport in the US is starting to get more and more towards that. Some of the sports still ban it, but it's only a matter of time before they start working with like official licensed partners. They just have to figure out how to make the most money from it. Mm. I don't think that any sport can stop the oncoming onslaught of of, uh, of this. Yeah. The other piece I also I also wrote about once, maybe if I find if I still have it up, is betting in the US and betting in general is really about customer acquisition. Mm. So Barstool Sports in the US was acquired by Penn Gaming. Mm. And Penn Gaming, they own a bunch of casinos and trying to get into online gaming and betting. And Barstool is this media company that has a lot of like millennials and Gen Z people mm. listen to it. And it, it would seem like there was no there was no relationship, but it's really just about customer acquisition. Mm. Basically, if you can like get that audience, plug them in, sell to plug that them audience. Into the system. Yeah, that's all you need. That's just literally all you need. So you just need to buy them and control that channel. It was very interesting where you find the pure gaming. They operate a bunch of casinos, by the way, is what they do, and some online gaming mm. by a media company with assets. So it would be very interesting if you had, like, I don't know, Bet King buy, like, a drink Lagos. And then he's like, uh-huh. I guess the media company I have, he's like, you have a captive audience, 
keep talking about whatever you're doing, <laughs> but just occasionally sell betting. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what it's about. It's about our customer acquisition. Fascinating. Um, super fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have one small, small win, and Bankley will, will know about this. So I was in Las Vegas last weekend. So much fun. Casually, you, casually, I had a call to Lumley, <laughs> and it's just like. Hey man, what's up? Uh, I missed this. I've been late. Uh, I'm in Vegas. Yeah. Whoa, is that how we're it, it doing? Was, it was fun. Just catching up with some of my friends. I love, I love Las Vegas. Obviously, I don't gamble I'm, and I don't am drink. I, am I not your friend? Yeah. Am I not your friend? Why don't you invite me to Vegas? No, I would have invited you, but I didn't know you were okay for, yeah, for, for next ta, time. Ta, we'll, we'll do a we'll ta. do an affability episode from from Vegas. It was great. Um, Vegas. I always say Vegas is like my third home because I've done so many trips there. Big big fan. So, but you don't gamble. I don't gamble. I don't drink. Obviously, I'm there for, for the shows and for the clubs. Yeah. Cool. If you think Olympia is weird, email info at I'm not All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, or just want to say hello, please email info at afferability.com. Thanks. <laughs>